0: Mason, and this is Mace on Loki episode six, the finale, titled "For All Time, Always." And I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to say it straight up front: this is going to be a spoiler review. Uh, I thought about trying to give some overall thoughts uh, before getting into spoilers, but uh, it's really hard to do that. So I'm just going to give the spoiler warning now. I am going to dive into things from this episode that stood out to me, things that I liked. Uh, what I thought about the conclusion uh, and where it leads, uh, and what we might see, uh, and all those different things, so I yeah, I found it really hard to analyze even performances or different character arcs uh, without getting into spoilery stuff so if you want a non spoiler thought, I really liked it. Um, I think that this is by far the best show of the MCU series, and I think that it does stick the landing, uh, and I think that season one of Loki is one of the most perfect seasons of television I've seen in a long time. So there's my non-spoiler thoughts. And now I am going to get into spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, uh, which I can't imagine you haven't, but uh, go watch it, please. Uh, And then you can come back uh, for the rest of my thoughts on this episode. But jumping into it, you know, coming into this episode, I had a lot of theories. I started going a little bit crazier with my theorizing on Twitter. Uh, before the episode premiered, especially in the in the final hours before I watched it, but I have to say that going all the way back to episode one of the series, I was very suspicious of Miss Minutes. I knew I had the feeling that she was highly involved, and then in episode two, I became very suspicious of the timekeepers. I thought that it was a Wizard of Oz situation, a man behind the curtain situation. And I don't know if I said this on the review, but as I was reflecting later after episode two aired, I started thinking, I wonder if, you know, at the end of the multiversal war, Kang the Conqueror was ultimately victorious. Not these three kind of space lizard things, but maybe Kang and Ravona have established the TVA as a way of maintaining their victory. And so I was... Let's call it seventy-five percent right on that theory. I wasn't right on the Ravona part of it, but I was—I was very close uh, in the fact that even though he is not called Kang, uh, he is called He Who Remains um, in this episode. Um, but he references that some people have called him a conqueror. Um, you know, he's dressed like Immortus, which is another version of Kang. He's Kang. Um, you can change his name all you want. He's Kang. Uh, he is a, one of the Kangs from the multiverse, uh, from the comic books that I have not read but have studied a bit about. Um, and so I was very satisfied in this episode to find out that yes, Miss Minutes is highly involved, uh, even though she's not the big bad, uh, she definitely is kind of the right-hand woman of, of He Who Remains. Uh, And I'm just going to call him Kang for the the sake of simplicity. Um, And so, yeah, a couple of my really early theories did end up panning out. Some of my later kind of crazier theories (laughs) where I was like, maybe it's Doctor Strange. Maybe it's Scarlet Witch. Maybe it's Just Miss Minutes. Um, Some of those later theories obviously were incorrect. But my earlier hunches were surprisingly uh, pretty accurate. And... Uh, the other thing that happens in this episode, you know, in episode, I think it was, again, episode two, where Sylvie bombs the sacred timeline. I was like, wow, this is something that I thought would be like a finale event. And it turned out in episode four or episode three, we kind of see like, oh, they actually managed that pretty quickly. It was just a distraction to get Sylvie into the TVA while they were dealing with that mess. Um, and then that, that's not when the multiverse started, but by the end of the series, uh, what I figured would be kind of the climax of the series was, in fact, uh, the creation of the multiverse. And I think I mentioned after episode five, uh, maybe episode four, like, what if, actually, it may have been a- actually after episode two when she bombs the Sacred Timeline. I was like, I wonder if Marvel's What If series uh, will be kind of, you know, looking at these branches that have been created by the events of the Loki series. And we actually this week did get our first look at Marvel's What If. It's our second look, but our first, like, full preview. Um, And it looks like these are a lot of, like, What If scenarios and they are, like, kind of random branches uh, of the timeline Um, And, you know, I don't know how much of it is going to be canon. I guess it is canon. It is an MCU TV show. But I don't know how much of that is going to impact, like, the movies that we see or other television series. But it really seemed like from the preview that we are going to get, even though they are kind of standalone, looking at different things, uh, different what-if scenarios, I think there is going to be a through line. We've got The Watcher kind of looking after all of it. Um, And I think that we are going to see a bit of crossover. Like I think that, yeah, I think that it is going to be a more serialized than we thought it would be. I wonder if we're going to see characters like Kang pop up in there. I wonder if we're going to see like how what happened in this series created this what if universe, or if they keep it purely like ah, what if this happened? What if that happened? I think it is actually going to be set within the multiverse that has been created, the multiverse of madness that will be explored in Doctor Strange, and Quantum Mania with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, obviously, Kang is the villain there, so... Uh, yeah, we get a lot of great potential coming out of this episode, but going through the episode kind of bit by bit, you know, we see uh, Loki and Sylvie coming into the Citadel um, at the end of time, and... It is creepy and dark, and we get a huge jump scare from Miss Minutes. And as soon as she popped in, I was like, no! Like, is she actually? Like, was my crazy, it's been Miss Minutes all along theory correct? Um, But no, she is just delivering another message from He Who Remains, delivering that final offer um, that you know is too good to be true, you know it's just a manipulation, and at this point, Loki and Sylvie have kind of – they've wisened up uh, to, to the situation at large, and they're not so easily manipulated. Um, they want to be in charge of their own destiny, and Sylvie really has come on this mission to destroy whoever the Timekeepers really are, and Loki kind of joining her in that mission. But through this episode, we do see those two paths and um, desires – Kind of diverge, uh, which I'll get into a little bit later. But I love the opening. I love the terrifying appearance of Miss Minutes. Um, and then I love getting back to, you know, the TVA of it all as, as Mobius is coming back uh, and kind of dealing with Ravona, dealing with that betrayal. Some great character stuff uh, between Mobius and Ravona in this episode. And then I like that, you know, She gets some information on her tent pad, but it's not necessarily um, what she was looking for. Uh, It's deemed by Kang to be far more useful or far more helpful or of far more interest to her. So, you know, we don't see where Ravona goes. That's a mystery that I guess is going to be addressed either in one of these movies or in the second season of Loki, uh, which has been confirmed. And... Elsewhere in the TVA, because I just want to get that stuff out of the way, bef- so we can talk about Loki, Sylvie, and Kang. Um, we also see Hunter B fifteen, and I think Hunter D ninety uh, was was the other guy um, going to. They have discovered where, um, you know, Ravona is a variant. So where her sacred timeline self is. Uh, which comes back to that pen that's been in her office, which I have to give credit to everyone who made a big deal of this pen because I was like, who cares? Like, I was like, when they kept focusing on this pen, I was like, it's a pen. Like, okay, it's from a school. It's from one of the adventures. Like, I don't really care. Uh, I don't see why everyone's making a big deal about this pen. But it turns out that some of those theories that in in her original Sacred Timeline life uh, she was a school teacher, and it looks like that turns out to be totally true, and we see that through this, Hunter B-15 is trying to show other um, other Hunters that, you know, the TVA has been lying to them, that R- Renslayer was not created to exist within the TVA, but she is a variant from the Sacred Timeline, um, and there is an original version. This teacher who, on her diploma in her office, it looks like her name is Rebecca, Um which is another name of Ravona in the comics I discovered. Um, So really interesting um, that they are kind of like, she's like, what are you talking about? Who's Judge Renslayer? And then Hunter D90 is like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, what is this? So I love that they have started to explore the fact that uh, everything is not as it seems within the TVA. Like, they're trying to share the truth of everything. They're trying to burn it down. They're trying to... Uh, set people free, set the variants free. So I thought that was really cool and I think it's going to get explored more in the second season. However, at the end of this episode, uh, we do see Mobius and Hunter B-15 and they are no longer on a mission to burn everything down. Uh, they are, in fact, trying to figure out what it is that Kang wants as the branches are going crazy, Nexus events are going past the red line all over the place, something like 60-something Different Nexus events uh, are branching past the red line. And they're like, do we let it go? Like, what does he want? I don't know. Um, so it seems like with the TVA um, at the end of this season, I always assumed that there was one TVA that exists outside of time um, and kind of at a distance so kind of has authority over all timelines that are being pruned from the sacred timeline. But I guess by the end of this season, it seems that um, there is no longer, I guess there is still our main MCU timeline, but I would guess that being in there being an infinite number of Kangs now, there would be, an infinite infinite number of realities in which each one of those Kangs could have won the multiversal war and created a TVA like there is a council of Kangs that is mentioned here that are sharing this technology with each other and obviously the better uh, Kang kind of came out of that and really genuinely wanted to keep things together because there are more dangerous versions of himself that he wanted to protect you know, the, the timeline from um, but When everything goes haywire um, and Loki gets popped back to some other timeline, I guess, um, we see that, you know, in this timeline, uh, Kang is not hiding behind timekeepers, but has his statue in the TVA. And Hunter B-15 and Mobius have no memory of any kind of Loki. Um, They don't know who he is at all. Like, and Loki was pretty famous as a variant that they've tracked down multiple times, uh, in the other timeline. So, um, I guess maybe there are now multiple TVAs for multiple timelines. Like maybe each timeline has its own TVA that's trying to like protect that timeline. I really don't know. Uh, it is one of those kind of open questions of like, what exactly does this ending mean? And I guess we're not really going to get any answers until season two. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But getting to the main kind of meat of this story between Sylvie and Loki, uh, they get through, they meet, like, they go to this elevator, which is in the same design. Like, you see those veins. And uh, I did read, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff after the episode, and they really wanted to kind of the the citadel they wanted it to look like a formation that had naturally been carved out of like an asteroid so you see the veins of like this mineral or this rock whatever it is that's floating through space you see that in the design of the building and they wanted everything to feel like it was naturally carved out of that space Uh, so i thought that was a really interesting design element Uh, but you also see those veins within the tva so it kind of carries over uh, to what kang has built and what he has established with the TVA, which we still don't really know where the TVA exists, other than that it is removed from time. So, uh, yeah, or I guess maybe there's multiple TVAs now. But anyway, <laughs> this whole this whole thing is is scrambling the brain once again. But we do get to that elevator. It opens, and we see Jonathan Majors, who. As I said multiple times in multiple reviews throughout this season, I was like, he said he's not in it, but everyone says they're not in it until they're in it. And it turns out that Jonathan Majors is a big bad liar because he is, in fact, in a very large part uh, of the finale. And I was joking on Twitter earlier. I was like, you know, Jonathan Majors is going to come out and say, well, I wasn't technically in it. I was at the end of it. Um and so but he also said like I think they asked him specifically if he was playing Kang he was like oh no I'm not playing Kang like and I, I guess that's true because he definitely is not called Kang in this episode so he worked his way around it but he said he had no idea what Loki was or what they were doing so um, he's a liar and he's in it but that's what they do actors act and he had to act like he wasn't in it when they asked him the question so I was very happy because leading into the finale I was like I don't know, like he said he's not in it and we're all pretty skeptical. Like everything's pointing to Kang, but we all thought Mephisto was coming in WandaVision and that definitely didn't happen. So um, kind of like, maybe it is just another Loki. Maybe it's Miss Minutes. Maybe it's an evil Doctor Strange. Like I kind of started second guessing myself, but uh, it was in fact what everything was pointing to. uh, And it was He Who Remains, which is a version of Kang uh, from the comics. So great, great to see such a fantastic actor. And he's fantastic in Lovecraft Country. I haven't seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, which is a movie that uh, he's gotten a lot of acclaim for uh, in his work there. So he's done other other roles as well. Uh, and I enjoy seeing him. I think he's terrific. And uh, it was great to see him appear in this. However, I think his uh, his performance as He Who Remains in this, I was a little bit back and forth on it because I felt like sometimes it felt like he was overdoing it and he didn't quite match the performances of Loki and Sylvia. Like he brought a different energy, I think, to the scenes, which at sometimes kind of felt a little bit distracting and a little bit breaking kind of the tone that had been established. But going back to previous episodes, I've also had some similar issues with moments of Tom Hiddleston's performance as Loki. There were moments where I felt like uh, he made a weird acting decision that felt a little bit out of place, felt a little bit cheesy. And so I felt like some of those moments with with Kang uh, felt a little bit cheesy coming from Majors. I felt like he was still kind of feeling out this role. So there were times it felt over the top, but there were also moments where he brought real weight to what he was saying. And you could see different shades of this character. And even though I wasn't 100% satisfied with the overall performance, it didn't sit 100% well with me I realized as I was watching it it was like, you know, if people don't like this performance, we're going to get infinite versions of him. So we're going to see different facets of what he can do with this character. So if you don't like one, just wait for another one. Like, so it's not, it wasn't a huge deal breaker for me. Like, I still think he's fantastic. I liked a lot of what he did in this episode, but there were just moments where I was like, I didn't like that choice. Um, So not character choice, but just like performance choice. Um, But overall, I was really happy with him to see him in the MCU. Uh, I'm excited to see him more as Kang, as different, obviously a different version of Kang or many different versions of Kang. I think it's going to be great. But the other justification I made in my head was like, he's been alone at the end of time in this big citadel talking to a digital clock, Miss Minutes, for who knows how long. Like, I'd be a little bit eccentric too if it was me. Like I'd, I'd be a little weird if I spent, you know, hundreds of years with myself. Uh, at the end of time, like meticulously planning every single detail of the sacred timeline. You know, yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little bit crazy too. So uh, I could get that. I could see some of where that eccentricity might come from, uh, in, a, in a in a justifiable way for that character. So uh, I was back and forth on the performance, but. I really like the possibilities that are opened by the appearance of his character. uh, And I liked a lot of it overall. So getting to, again, Loki and Sylvie and their journey through this episode, what I thought was really interesting is like, they are so in unison until they meet Kang and they start to hear what he wants them to do. And, Loki and Sylvie, this is where they have completely different reactions because the two possibilities that Kang presents is A, you can kill me, and then nobody is maintaining the sacred timeline. Nobody's giving orders to the TVA. So everything's in free fall, and the timeline is going to go crazy. The multiverse is going to be unleashed. The universe is unleashed. And you are opening yourself up to an infinite, infinite number of variations of Kang, all with different intentions, different levels of either, you know, um, being like good or wanting to destroy everything. Uh, so you really don't know which Kang is going to emerge victorious in this situation. You just know there's going to be another multiversal war that's going to occur. So... I wonder if that's going to be part of the Secret Wars series that's coming up. I don't really know. I think that is going to deal mostly with scrolls, but uh, obviously in, in Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we are going to explore what exactly has been unleashed and what is happening to reality on the main timeline uh, that has all of the characters and the iterations that we know. So... You know, he says, you can kill me and that'll happen. Or uh, I can, I you, you let me live and then I'll let you run the TVA as you see fit. You know, pruning what you think needs to be pruned, letting things go that you think can be let go. Um, you know, giving free will to the extent that you see fit. So Loki is like, well, I don't think he's lying to us, but Sylvie is so focused on her mission, that she has spent thousands of years running and hiding and surviving um, and trying to get revenge so that she can be free, um, but also so that everyone else can be free and no one else will ever be hunted the way that she has been hunted. So she's not gonna give up. Like she came here to get revenge and she's gonna get her revenge. So when it comes to Loki, she's like, you're either with me or against me. and so I can understand where you know she feels that betrayal by Loki when they are suddenly not on the same page where it's like we were in this together we both agreed that we were going to kill this guy and now you are saying you don't want to do that um, and so I'm sorry but I'm gonna complete the mission that I set out to complete and if you're in my way then we are no longer <laughs> we, are, we are no longer friends. Um, And I thought it was such a heartbreaking scene, so so well performed. You know the fight, and then the kiss, the distraction kiss, uh, to get that Tempad pad uh, and kick him through a portal. It was just heartbreaking. It was like you see the journey that Loki's been on, and he arrives at this place where he's like, I don't like all I want is for you to be okay, Um, and to hear Loki care that deeply about another person, even though it is a version of himself, uh, is really such a touching moment. And then for her to respond with, well, I'm not you. Um, and then push him through the portal. is just like, oh, just, you know, just heartbreaking. Um, but, you know, we really, we really see the seed for that is planted actually earlier in their conversation with Kang where he, he, Kang says, like, you can't trust and he can't be trusted. And it comes back to why aren't we together on this? She asked Loki and Loki says, because you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Um, and it 's just a heartbreaking development in their relationship, but you know, I can see like I said, I can see where she felt betrayed because Loki said he was with her, and then suddenly he wasn't with her, and she was worried that you know she 's like, "What if we get there and you you betray me? Um, you know that was what she was most afraid of, and so you can see her, that thing that she was most afraid of, that Loki would turn on her. Um, She sees that happening before her eyes. Even though Loki has not turned on her, like he's just trying to protect her and he's just trying to do what he sees is right. She still sees that as a betrayal and you can understand that from her perspective. And you can understand Loki's side of like, you know, we are on the same side as Loki where it's like, we believe what Kang is saying and we know that it probably would not, even though we want to, like we want to see them do it so that the multiverse is born but we know that all of the danger that comes with that and we don't want to see loki feel responsible for that so such a complex moment and so well written and and i really enjoyed it a lot of people complained some of the complaints were that this was a exposition heavy episode they they told rather than show but this whole series and if you follow one of the writer's Um, If you follow me on Twitter, I I retweeted the thread. He's talking about how this whole series has been, you know, conversations uh, between characters. And they, they wanted to continue that in the finale, to have this finale be a conversation between characters like the whole series has been instead of big action spectacle. And we do get action, you know, as well with their fight. But I really respected that decision. And some people didn't like it. Some people wanted more action. They didn't want three people sitting in a room talking about it. They wanted to see it. And I can understand that maybe, you know, I guess when we got to the end of the episode, I would have liked to see a little bit more. Um, A little bit more. Like I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of the impact beyond just Loki getting to the TV and they don't know who he is. And there's a Kang statue. Like that shows that everything has changed and we see the branching of the universe. So we see that everything has changed in that way. But I just wanted a little bit more like I wanted to see a little bit more uh, at the school with Rebecca and, and Hunter B15 and Hunter D90. and I would have liked to see you know just a tease of where Ravona went, even if it's just her popping up in a location and it says, "This is where and when she is." Um, little things like that. like I just I just want to see a little bit more at the end. but I was still totally happy because we did get to see Kang. We did get to kick off the multiverse, and the other complaint was that this this series, because of the way the the finale ended, ended up just being a bridge um, between different Marvel properties and not its own standalone story and I was like, well, you know I can understand that you wanted a totally resolved story within the season, but And that's what we got with WandaVision, a resolved story that teases things to come. And Falcon and Winter Soldier, a resolved story that teases the future to come. And I can understand where Loki, we didn't really get a resolved story. We got a very open-ended story, but Loki's different from WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier in that it is the only series that has been picked up for a second season. So knowing that there's going to be a second season, you have to know that they're gonna leave things open-ended. Like, that's the way multiple, like, any series that has multiple seasons, I think Lost is a perfect example. Like, Lost season one in no way told a, <laughs> told a complete story and was very much open-ended and full of mystery. Uh, and people loved Lost. So I think that to argue that it was too open-ended and didn't answer enough of the questions, it was like, have you watched, you know, seasonal TV before cuz like this is usually how it goes like I didn't understand the complaint but I will totally respect that people like people had an expectation and it was different and I can understand the disappointment there but you know I think that we saw a very complete journey between Loki and Sylvie and we saw a complete like maturation of Loki's character but I think Loki lands in the place at the end of this series that is satisfying because even when he is betrayed and he is heartbroken, he gets up and he wants to fix the problem. He's not using it as an excuse to become evil again, but he still cares about Mobius. He still cares about Hunter B-15. He still cares about the TVA. Um, so Loki has undergone a complete change or a complete transformation as a character. And Sylvie, even though it's heartbreaking, lands in lands in a place that made sense for that character and leaves it open because now that she's gotten her revenge, where does she go next? Like, I think that's a super satisfying thread to leave, like, you know, not tie that up, but to leave it open. I think that that is totally acceptable, totally exciting. Uh, Cause now she has to deal with the weight of that decision uh, as she sees what that causes. And she might be excited about free will in the beginning, but when she meets a different version of Kang and sees the chaos that is happening in a multiversal war, she now has to carry the weight of that decision. Um, so I think that's a fantastic place to leave a character, uh, leave so much, so many storytelling opportunities to come. So I get the criticism, I get the frustration, but there's going to be a season two, and. Feige was very upfront when they talked about these Marvel series saying these series are going to act as a bridge between different MCU. They were upfront about that. It's going to be a bridge between different properties. So people complaining, oh, it just acted as a bridge. Like, yeah, that's what Feige said (laughs) they were going to do. So I, I, again, I don't understand the criticism, um, but I can appreciate wanting something else Um, And you know, I've seen writers on Twitter saying they weren't satisfied with the finale. So you've got professionals that are good at their job. um, You know, one of them being the writer for Futurama, saying like, "Hey, I was (laughs) not—I was not satisfied with the way you ended this season of television. That's not how you do it." So, you know, well-respected people had an issue. So I will respect them and just say that I felt differently. It didn't land that way for me. Um, So. Yeah, I think that I'm excited about all of the possibilities that are there. Um, And I will be very interested to see what versions of Kang we get in the future. And, you know, going back to WandaVision, when we get that post-credits scene and Wanda is levitating, flipping through uh, the Darkhold, I think is what it's called. Um, And, you know, she hears the voices of Billy and Tommy. I think that that occurs at the moment that these branches begin to diverge. So I think that we've now met the crossing point between Loki and WandaVision where we see like, okay, when she hears Billy and Tommy's voice, I think that it occurred at this moment when the multiverse was opened. So that's going to lead into um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I would guess, I think Loki is going to be on the side of Doctor Strange uh, wanting to tidy up, tidy things up again, undo the damage that's being done, and stop someone like Kang or whatever multiversal villain they have. I think Scarlet Witch is gonna be on the side of, no, I want my children, and if we erase these timelines, I lose my children. So I think that we're gonna get a conflict between Wanda, Doctor Strange, and Loki, and I, I cannot wait to see Because Loki has been confirmed to appear in Doctor Strange and the writer of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was also heading up the writers for Loki. So, yeah, I think that um, there's definitely a plan leading into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But like I said, that was the plan. These shows act as bridges. Feige said there would be essential viewing uh, for fans of the movies. So I, they were pretty clear with their intentions up front. So I'm not upset at all that this season acted as a bridge to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I think that it, a lot of it stands on its own as great storytelling, great character development, great action, um, great great stuff overall. So trying to think if I've missed anything. We didn't see Mobius on a jet ski, but holding out hope that season two opens and we get... Multiversal chaos, and somewhere out there, Mobius is, is, is on a jet ski. Somewhere, please uh, let there be a Mobius on a jet ski. Um, but, like I said, I think that everything with Kang was super interesting. Um, he does talk about how they're, yeah, they're, they work together to create the technology that the TVA uses. So, I think that there are different versions of that technology available in these multiple branches of reality. Um, and at first I was like, how does the timeline branching from now, uh, affect, you know, and then I realized like time is as true detective would say time is a flat circle. And we kind of see that in the opening, like this timeline is actually orbiting around in the circle. And when something starts to branch, uh, it doesn't just affect the future. It affects all points in time. So, um, it's not just like, okay, from, I was like, well, how do more Kangs exist when you've just opened from now, because he's already been born and died. But the universe, like, expands the timeline at a whole bunch of different points in time. So it's not a linear thing. So, yeah, at different points in the past, we're going to get crazy divergences. I think this does lead to the introduction of mutants in the MCU. I think it leads to the introduction of the Fantastic Four in the MCU. I think we're going to get a lot of those things coming up. So... Super excited about uh, how it all ended. Like I said, a little bit of an issue with Jonathan Major's performance as Kang, but not a deal breaker overall. Not a huge issue overall. Uh, I like where it ended. I'm intrigued for things to come. I want to know where Renslayer went. Uh, and I want to know, you know, what exactly like uh, are Hunter B15 and Hunter D90 still on a sacred timeline? And then now, now we have variant versions of Hunter B-15 in that different TVA that we see at the end, um, you know, with, with Loki, and they don't recognize him. So, you know, Loki sees the B-15, but is that other B-15 still on the Sacred Timeline? I guess I guess so. So I think we are going to see... We're going to hop around between the Sacred Timeline and other timelines, and it's going to be chaos. So anyway, those are... I think those are all my thoughts on the finale. Uh, this was, like I said, my favorite MCU show. Um, Love that we got to see Kang um, and that Miss Minutes was as suspicious as I thought she was. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for Spider-Man No Way Home, which comes first, and then I, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness early next year. And I'm very excited to see what happens in Marvel's What If. So I think that that's going to have a lot of interesting little tidbits in it, um, that kind of tease us with multiversal opportunities for the future. So um, that wraps it up for me here. Uh, thanks so much for listening to my thoughts. If you have your own thoughts about the finale and the season overall, you can let me know uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Mason Movies. And uh, you can, if you're enjoying this podcast, leave a comment, a rating, subscribe, share with your friends and family, and check out the rest of the podcast feed. But uh, thanks so much for going on this journey with me through Loki. And, uh, you know, I'll do my best, um, you know, to I haven't decided if I'm going to podcast through What If. I'll, I'm going to kind of take What If as it comes um, and, and see, you know, if it if it opens with something that I feel is worth diving into um, or if it just feels more like a random anthology. That'll, that'll determine if I do the podcast on it or not. But I've got my Bad Batch reviews coming up. Uh, still actually still ongoing. So you can check those out. Um, and things like that. So again, thank you for going on the journey of Loki season one. Looking forward to season two, whenever that arrives. Um, But wherever you are, take care, stay safe, uh, take care of yourself physically and mentally, and let's all do our best to always be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.